0: Thanks, Sean. Well, hello. This is an awesome place. I'm telling you, that worship is electric. It's amazing. Uh, Denver, I feel like Denver and Minneapolis have similarities, not just it gets really, really cold. I know it gets way more cold here than there, so I, I'm not trying to compare. I'm just saying, the, the city, when I'm here, I go, I love... Uh, I love this city, I love the Twin Cities. In fact, my wife and I said if we didn't live in Denver, we would wanna live here, because it's awesome. And you guys, the school is in the middle of the city. Like I know when you came to visit, you're like, that was a cool thing, and maybe now you're like, yeah, we have to walk everywhere, and parallel parking's the worst, and, and like tickets on our windshield weekly. We get it, we live in the city too, and the same thing happens, but let me tell you, it is incredible absolutely incredible what God's doing here. So it's a big honor to be here. So I really appreciate you letting me be here. My name is Preston. I'm part of the CMN team, Church Multiplication Network team. And, um, and I, I just want to encourage you, encourage you in the idea that what God is doing in your heart that you would call new and exciting, and what God's doing in your heart that you would say is burying the old. Uh, that's the way God works. And so I hope that this a message does what so many messages should do, is that we afflict the comforted and we comfort the afflicted, okay? That's the goal. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this room. I thank you that, God, that our affections have been stirred for you, and God, our attention is now directed to your word. I do pray right now that, God, is there, is, are, there are new seasons people are being pulled into. It's very difficult. There are new ideas that are being put into their hearts like John was saying, even ideas that there are businessmen and businesswomen, entrepreneurs who are are dreaming dreams that they never thought they would be able to dream before and they're wondering if these could become realities. God, there are church planters here in the sound of my voice that would say, I want to see a faith community where people love Jesus and God, that sort of willingness will change the world. And I pray, God, I pray that today the old things would be set aside and the new things that you're calling us to would be in front of us and we'd respond. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of the message is The Sound of Bursting Wineskins. The Sound of Bursting Wineskins, like when God does something new, it does tend to tear the old thing apart when I was in Bible college is actually when I stopped believing in God, which is strange to say. Now, I'm a pastor, so I do believe in God again. So if you go, this is really, really strange. (laughs) I've come back to Jesus. But when I was in Bible college, that's when I stopped believing. And it wasn't because of like this grand sin issue in my life. I had these doubts and these fears that kind of haunted me. I remember actually um, the summer that all this started and it's like I woke up and I was so afraid of anything that would be Christian and I had a ton of doubts, a ton of doubts and a ton of questions. And here's what happened is the church I was going to at the time, well-meaning people, they gave me this sort of advice. They said, well, why don't you get the Bible, open it to the Gospels and sleep on the Word of God. This was their advice, okay? And I go, I don't, I'm, I guess I'm desperate. Like This is, we're gonna do this. And they said, get the word of God in your head. And you know what happens when you sleep on the Bible? You hurt your neck. That's all that happens. I didn't memorize any more scripture, but I did get more irritated. And my journey away from God started to get more and more real. And then some other people said, this is what you need to do. You, and well-meaning people, they said, you need to play more worship music. I don't know what kind of worship or what kind of music you're listening to. And I'm like, I, I feel like it's all worship music, but I memorized every Hillsong song there was that summer And um, nothing was changing. And I left the faith. what ended up happening was there's a professor at Southwestern, I don't know how you feel about Sagu, I love him, but I love you guys too. Remember, I just affirmed you, I just affirmed you. So don't don't shout me down. There's a professor there that did something that is unheard of, and I think that what he did, if you will participate in, you might find yourself becoming a church planter. What he did was he heard about the summer I've had with all these questions and all these fears, and he actually told me, he said, hey, I heard about all this stuff. Would you let me journey with you through your questions? And then the thing he told me after that was the most liberating phrase that has shaped the way we do ministry. He said, I don't care where you land as long as you're honest in your pursuit of truth. And I'm going, you... Like, did you just give me permission to actually seek? Did you just give me permission to actually ask questions? Because there's a big difference between shoving something down someone's throat and digging, okay? You shove something down someone's throat means you take a posture of control, right? You're forcing something and you're hoping that it sticks and they'll probably throw it up. That's shoving it down their throat. In digging, you're actually saying, we're gonna move the dirt together. If you get tired, I'll, I'll pick up the shovel. If I get tired, you, we're gonna move the dirt. We're gonna get dirty, but we're, we are convinced there's something of treasure and worth in the bottom of this thing, right? This is what Jesus says. It's like the treasure hidden in a field. And there's a big difference between the two. And so for me, I thought, to get past these questions, doubts, fears, And, like, deep question. I thought the way to do that was going to be the old way, the old pattern of things. Listen to more worship music, sleep on the Bible. I don't know. Whatever advice I would get, do that. Go to church, do that. And it wasn't working. Then what happened was God was presenting something new this idea of digging, digging deep. And when I'm tired, this person said, I will get messy and move the dirt because the preciousness of Christ is beneath this. And it fulfilled God's purpose. So, what I want to talk to you about is that old patterns in new seasons will never fulfill God's purpose. Okay? Old patterns in new seasons will never fulfill God's purpose. And so, when we talk about church planting, there's, I mean, and on Sunday, 70, over 70 churches launched on Sunday. 90 churches, 90 faith communities are launching this month alone. That's unprecedented. This is a new season of church planting. This is a new season of seeing faith communities started by way of disciple making. Look, if you're here and you go, I don't have what it takes to be a church planter, I don't think that you're gonna find the words church planting in scripture, but what you will find is disciple making, and when you start making disciples, you go, we should start worshiping and praying together and welcome to church. This is what we find. Old patterns, your old ways of thinking, in new seasons will never accomplish God's purposes. The way Jesus said it is he said it's kinda like if you have new wine and you pour it into an old wineskin. It's the sound of bursting wineskins. Mark chapter two. Mark chapter two, verse 18. Mark's a great book because Mark is the just do it book. Mark is like, it's, the, it's gonna show you the snippets of the miracles of, of God through Christ. It's gonna show you the, person of Je- the power of Jesus. So the Romans, when they're reading this, the Romans are going like, man, this, this is a call to action, right? So because chapel only has a small snippet of time in the scheme of your day, I figure this story's recorded elsewhere, but how about we just go to the call of action book. Um, and and p- quite possibly, all of us will be called to action um, after this is done. Mark chapter 2, verse 18 says, Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your d- disciples get fat? I mean, your disciples do not fast. <laughs> verse 19. My translation is a little different than yours, apparently. And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? Like, like Jesus is saying, hey, I don't think you're perceiving the season we're in right now, right? And then he said, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. And if you're in college, you're like, we, we do, if that's all we got. We sew it on there. <laughs> if he does... The patch tears away from it, the new from the old, the worse tear, and a worse tear is made. You follow what he's saying? Is like it gets worse if you try to force the old way of doing things into God's purpose. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins, but new wine is for fresh wineskins. New wine is for fresh wineskins. Old patterns and new seasons will not produce God's purpose for our life. Here's what I want to talk to you about, a few things. New wine is very messy. Old wine is reserved and not used. New wine is very messy. Old wine is reserved and not used. You notice if, if you talk to people who drink wine, one of the things that they'll say is they'll, they'll get bottles and let them sit for a long time. The most expensive wine is going to be the one that's been around for the longest. doesn't make sense to us, but apparently that's the way it is. When you get new wine, it's messy, it smells. It's not tasty. It's not what people desire. You want that thing to ferment for a while before you buy it and this is why those bottles of wine, they're, I don't know, I guess they can reach hundreds of thousands of dollars if you go after the real old ones, probably from Jesus' day. <laughs> and this is also why commentaries tell us that new wine is not to be desired. This is the stuff that's not desired. It's messy. Smells bad. Hasn't been religious for a long time, you follow me? Hasn't memorized a whole lot of the Bible. Hasn't gone to enough church services. You get what he's saying. Is the new wine's messy? But this is actually, this is the ministry of Jesus. Like when this is recorded in the book of Matthew, Matthew is an amazing book. Matthew, the way it starts is the lineage of Jesus. And in Matthew, he builds it up all the way to chapter nine, where he's building up this idea that the messy people, the ones who think they're disqualified, can't plant churches, can't make disciples, don't know, and all those people are the ones that Jesus identifies and says, no, no, they're actually part of my lineage. Matthew starts with this lineage to get to Jesus. And in this lineage, you'll read some names where you're like, yeah, I can see why that person, that person's like a hero, right? That person's like, Awesome, and then you read some names and you go, that person was, that person was a prostitute. That person, that person shouldn't be in the lineage of the savior of the world. And then you have stories where they go, hey Jesus, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. If you're willing, make me clean. You have stories of a woman with an issue of blood that touches the end of Jesus' garment. Like doctors are done with her, People don't want her around. She has to force her way into the crowd, touching the end of her garment. She's she's not standing with the people. She's now kneeling just trying to get near Jesus. The messy people, the messy people, the marginalized people, these are the people that the church is after. If the church is to be the body of Christ in the 21st century, in all centuries, but you, you live in the 21st century. In the 21st century, to be the body of Christ, the church will go after those people who are not yet part of the kingdom. The church will be very passionate about making disciples, about discipleship pathways. The church will do all these things. So when we moved to Denver, all I knew was, God, I want, I want, to, see, I want to see what it's like for new wine to be poured into new wineskins. This is all I knew. And I knew, listen, Denver is like post-post-Christian. So post-Christians where you're mad at Christianity, post-post-Christians where you're like, I, don't, I just don't care about Christianity. This is kind of Denver's mentality. And when we were going there, if, if you can think of it this way, it's called the Engel scale. In the middle is zero. That's where, that's where you are a follower of Jesus. You cross into the kingdom of God, right? Positive 10, missionary to Africa, one-way ticket, never coming home, okay? That's a positive 10. The church typically will focus on the zero to positive 10, right? But, like, there's a whole negative side of that scale. There's a bunch of new wine that's messy and smells bad, doesn't know religious tradition, and by the way, that could be a grace of God to our church, right? Doesn't know religious tradition, doesn't know how to sing the songs, doesn't know what raising their hands mean, but, man, they're really passionate about the kingdom of God things without knowing the king, and they're on the negative side of the Engel scale. How do we get them? So we went to Denver, that's all we knew, <laughs> was like, how, how, do we get, how do we go after the negative? I really care about my brothers and sisters on the positive side of the scale, but, I, but like, we have to go after the negative side. And, and by the way, the fastest way to grow on the positive is to go after the negative. It's the fastest way. And so we go to Denver and uh, this, is, I'm, this is confession of a church planner who doesn't know what he's doing, okay? I walk in, uh, I'm with a the team, they said, how do you want to start? And I said, find the best burger joint in Denver, let's go there and we'll walk around, okay? I mean, burgers are from the Lord. And so we, then we did the next best thing. They said, where do we go from here? Coffee, coffee's from the Lord too, right? And, uh, and so we walked to a coffee shop and I see this barista in a coffee shop and this is where I said, Well, let me show you a picture of him. I should throw that picture up there, this is my friend. I see him in the coffee shop, his name's Trax, and I said, hey, now I don't know him at all, now we're good friends and, and spend a lot of time together, and I said, hey, what kind of church would you go to? It's like a suicide question, right? What kind of church would you go to? And he said, I'm an atheist. And I said, oh, I said, I was an atheist for a while, I know that tribe, would you mind answering the question? I said, what kind of church would you go to? And he said, no, no, you don't, like, I'm not religious. And I said, oh, I'm not, I'm not religious either. I just believe in God. He goes, that's religion. And I said, no, never mind. What kind of church? And we just asked the question. And he says, he goes, I'd go to a church that would allow me to ask questions and not be judged for thinking differently. This is what he says. And I go, awesome. I don't know how to start that, but like, the, I would go there too. So then I start to leave, and he tells me, he says, what's your name? And I said, Preston. He said, Preston, are you gonna start a church in this neighborhood? Because we want it to be neighborhood focused. And I said, I don't know. And he said, I think you should. I think you should, right? And I go, well, if God can use a donkey, he can use an atheist, right? (laughs) So, listen, I've told him that in person. We're really good friends. So we moved there, we moved there, and I had this idea, and I was just praying and this idea of what would it be like to navigate s- discussions together with atheists? What would that look like? So we're actually living 30 minutes away in the mountains during this time, and, um, and my wife drove me and I said, I have this crazy idea. She said, do you know if he's at the coffee shop? I said, I have absolutely no idea. She said, okay, well, so we drive 30 minutes, she takes the kids to the park. I get there, I said, hey, is he here? They said, do you have an appointment? I said, no. They said, he's not working today, and I go, great, some church planner I am, I thought I heard the voice of God and then he walks in with milk, carrying milk in, right? And he looks at me and he goes, Preston? And I said, hey. And he said, did you move here based on what I said? And I said, kind of. <laughs> like it's weird when the Holy Spirit and an atheist tell you how to plan a church. I said, kind of. And he sat down, I said, hey Trax, you said you would go to a church where people are allowed to ask questions and they're not judged for thinking differently. He said, that's right. I said, okay. I want to start something called the Doubters Club, where you an atheist and me a Christian, we model friendship and pursue truth together. That's the mission. That's it. We don't open in prayer, we don't close in prayer. We model friendship and pursue truth together. So the way that it goes is he'll talk from an From a perspective of unbelief for a few minutes on an issue, all talk from a Christian worldview for a few minutes on the same issue, then we will converse with each other. We will talk to each other like friends. Not like telling each other how bad of a person you are, but like friends, asking questions, because here's the truth. If God is truth, like John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. If when Jesus is asked what is truth, if the person asking was staring truth directly in the face, the closer you get to truth, the closer you get to God, right? So then we open it up for discussion and we talk, and then we let them vote on what they wanna talk about next time. So they, like we don't have this doubters club curriculum. The curriculum is what do the unsaved people wanna talk about? So we, we started this and it was a small group of people and then it just exploded into multiple locations. This is one of my favorite pictures. Go to the next one. This is like after one of the ones, this is like our third doubters club and this is full of atheists, agnostics, and Christians. A lot of those people have now been baptized in the church because they've come to faith, because they've come to realize an experience with God is not outside of what God wants to do. And the old patterns that they were taught, the old ways that they were taught, of how to connect to God, suppress your questions. Look, asking questions isn't scary. It's scary when you don't ask questions. But the old ways that they're taught, God called them into a new season, and He burst the wineskin, because there's power in what Jesus did. So then when people started coming to church, we just, or when people started coming to faith, we just said, how about we just start a church now? How about we start worshiping God together? We called it the doubters church at first, caused mass confusion in the community, because they go, club, or church, club or church, and then we said, okay, so we recently call it Discover Church in the Highlands, and it's a place where we dig and we move the dirt. And I don't know about you, but whenever I think of my friends who don't know Jesus, and I think about going on a journey with them, and I think about how precious Christ is and what it takes to just dig, like I want to do life with those people. I want to journey with those people. I want to, if they're tired of digging, I want to dig for them. If they're excited to dig, I want to watch them do it. I want them to discover this Jesus-looking God that's calling them, right? This is what I want. So when this starts to happen, it gets messy. It's not like all the mess goes away. One of the things that happened, I, one of our prayer meetings, when we're like, okay, let's start to form a church, let's start to like, move towards launching a church, a faith community. So we have this prayer meeting, about 11 people, we get together, and by the way, it's not Doubters Club that's gonna change someone, that'll remove unnecessary barriers, it's prayer. Like, prayer and the Holy Spirit is gonna change people, okay? And so I remember being in a prayer time, and it's just a regular prayer meeting, holding my hands like this, there's about 11 people from the team a lot of them just recently came to Jesus, and someone comes over to me and grabs my hands and opens them in the middle of prayer time, which is a little disorienting because it's just, you're like, did Jesus just come and open, is he gonna put something in my hands? And, uh, And one of my buddies, who's like new wine, put in my hand a stash of drugs, okay? And I'm looking and I'm going, I don't even know what half this stuff is. I just know this is really bad. And he's crying and he says, I just can't do it anymore. I can't do it. It's the power of God pouring new wine and bursting the old wineskin. He said, I can't do it anymore. Well, then what do you do when the whole entire prayer team, which is your launch team and which is your leadership team and which is all you got, are looking like, well, we got a guy who's doing drugs? And I go, hey, let me talk to you upstairs. We talk and hug and I go, I'm assuming all this is illegal, right? He said, yes, okay, I'm just making sure. I said, listen, listen, I just want you to know, like that's digging, right? Like you're discovering the mercy of God. Like I said, I just want you to know how much God loves you, how much he loves you. And I said, and I guarantee when we go down there, back down in the basement, I guarantee you, you're gonna feel the love of God. And he walked down and someone goes, I hope this never changes. I hope we're a church that always hands over in someone else's hands the thing we can't carry on our own to get rid of it. So then I'm driving home with a stash of drugs on my passenger seat. (laughs) And I knew if I got pulled over and I said, officer, I just came from a prayer meeting. (laughs) The church is going down. So I just prayed. And I just threw it away in a dumpster and prayed, no one found it. This is what it's like to be doing life with new wine. Okay, let's go to the next part. New seasons are inevitable. Old ones, old ones are predictable, but they're all also preferable. We prefer our older seasons. There are certain days for fasting, and what you find is that Jesus is actually saying, "This, this here." He's saying, do you not know the bridegroom's here? Like there's a reason, there is a reason why they're not practicing what you're practicing. There's a new season, old patterns and new seasons don't produce God's purposes. How many people are seniors here? Raise your hand if you're a senior. Okay, so you're gonna go into a new season, right? God willing, you're gonna go into a new season in May, April timeframe, right? And the old way of homework, you're not even gonna know what to do with yourself when you don't have that sort of stuff. And how many of you are freshmen? Raise your hand. Your season's for a while, but it's a really good season. It's a really good season. But even in that, you're gonna find that there are things God's calling you to. I think when it comes to church planting, starting faith communities, there's a new season among us. That they're in your heart right now, even right now as I'm talking, you go, wait, this feels right because God's been putting something into my heart, God's been putting people in place that are shaping me and forming me and what he's doing is getting you ready to receive what he's pouring in. He's getting you ready to do that. Like he's the God of physical seasons, yes, but if you've lived 24 hours, you know spiritual seasons are even more real than physical seasons, right? That when the scriptures speak of seasons, they're talking about this shift in your soul, this change in the atmosphere so often throughout scriptures. Even in Isaiah, God says, do you not hear, do you not perceive that I am bringing water forth where it used to be dry? As if the people of God should be able to perceive when God is up to something new. The people of God lead the way of leaving the old patterns because God's doing something new. We're the ones who lead the way in this, not the world. And I would tell you this, I I think with Church Multiplication Network, I'm just gonna let you know, I think that this organization does this. It empowers church planners to be able to converge their education and their experience in a dynamic way, in a dynamic way. And I wanna encourage you, listen, there's a number you can text. Can you put that number up, please? If you can text the word or the, the uh, letters CMN to 444-999 and you go, I just want more information, about what God would be saying about these seasons of church planning, I just want more information, I just wanna be in the know on all that stuff. I would encourage you, I would encourage you um, to text that. We'll be letting you know, reminding you about the coffee going on, all those things. But I wanna tell you this, the new wine that God is pouring in will always burst the old wineskin, there's a power there. So I want you to remember this. It will always happen that way. That there will be people who can receive it and there will be people who can't. My friend Mason has been cutting my hair for 11 months. I'm gonna show you a picture of him up here. He's been cutting my hair for 11 months. Now he's someone who scares my kids. And by his own admission, he said, listen, I will always smell like old whiskey and tobacco. This is what he says. And um, I've come to love that smell, not because I like whiskey or tobacco, but because of Mason but because of Mason. 11 months of getting my haircut by the same person, when I first met him, he, he found out I'm a pastor. He said, okay, well, I'm a bisexual swinger who's dating a Muslim dude. And I said, that feels like new wine. Like that feels like, that feels like Jesus wants you, right? And, um, and just like, and, and one of the ways we disciples, we just say, can you tell me a book that shaped your life? and I want to read it because I want to learn about you. Will you read a book that shaped mine? And by the way, that's not when you go, here's the Bible, that's not what we do. (laughs) I I told him, based on genre, our team knows this, based on genre, personality, you pick the right book. So he's holding a book, Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, that's impacted my life pretty profoundly, and he recently told me, like a month ago, he said, we're having pretzels and cheese on his break, and he said, hey, I want to follow Jesus. And I go, the digging, now by the way, the digging's not over, but we just discovered Jesus. Like we just got to the point where we're both tired and exhausted eating pretzels together, and we discovered the precious Christ that died for him, right? This is what new wine does. It bursts the old open. It's meant to do this. Church planning is all about this. And it's already in your heart, and I would just encourage you Don't forsake disciple making and if you go disciple making, you'll probably go church planting. Get a degree. Join a church planting team because the old wine is meant to burst the new wineskins but it also needs the right wineskin to pour into and I think that's here. I think that's here. I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna pray for us and I'm gonna invite you, those of you who need to leave can leave but those of you who wanna stay, I'm gonna actually in the prayer invite you Because I want you to be praying. I want you to be praying, what is it that God's pouring into you? What is it that God's pouring into you on behalf of the people who don't know him? What is he saying? He always revolves around the lost. The heart of the Father always revolves around the lost. And before you know it, you might find yourself saying, I accidentally started this thing. God, I pray right now, I thank you that the old patterns and new seasons, they don't produce your purpose, but God, when you're doing something new, you will burst apart old systems, old ways of thinking. You'll burst them at the seams, Father. The sound of bursting wineskins, This is what we need to get used to, that in our lives, we lead the way in innovation. We lead the way in reinvention, God. We lead the way by the leading of your spirit. I pray, God, right now for my friend Trax, that God, the day will come when he starts a discover church in Denver, God. When he's pastoring a church, God, I pray for him, and I pray, God, that what you're pouring into his life burst open old ways of thinking, God, and help me to be the one to receive things on his behalf. I pray for that here, Lord. That as we pray together, and we would take minutes to do that, Lord, as we pray together, we know, God, we are perceiving you're doing something new. And we will wait and receive it. So you come forward if you want to pray. Come forward, let's pray. Come forward to the altars, let's pray together. Let's take some time to say, God, what are you pouring in? And I'm I'm gonna take time to receive this for myself and on behalf of other people. And if you need to leave, Feel free to leave.